Good morning. I'm David Nutter, and it's my privilege to be Rick Bonfem Ministries guest uh, teacher this morning. Uh, the older I get, the more privileged I feel to be able to share God's word, and I'm thankful to be able to do that in these days. Uh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray for your word to flow out and speak to each of our hearts. Uh, these are difficult days, Lord, and you're speaking to your people. There's things you want us to hear. You want to move us to a place where we're useful as vessels for your use, Lord. That's what we want. We don't want to be left behind in this great move of God. So, God, speak to our hearts. Quicken us. Give us life, breath, energy, vitality, hope, courage, and strength, Lord, to be your servants in a productive way that we would all go out and bear much fruit to bring you glory and fame in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 38. This is always, part of this passage has always been kind of obscure to me, I'll be honest with you. And I think it was because the time wasn't right. I think, for example, the book of Revelation uh, someday will become totally clear. To those who are walking in the spirit of God, there are questions we all have about parts of the book of Revelation right now. But uh, there's a day coming when when it's needed, uh, then the revelation will come. And in fact, there's parts of the book of Revelation just in these days and these challenging days that I've had new insight on. But I want to look at Luke 22, 31 through 38. And then look at the uh, uh, famous part of the life of Elijah. We've been singing as a Ameri- as the American church, these are the days of Elijah for, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. Uh, may mm-hmm. I submit to you that they're upon us because there's a revival that's happening. We're not praying for revival anymore. The church is being revived. As I mentioned on the last message, I'm now part of a group. I'm praying every night with these people for four hours. For the, There's some pastors, but mainly it's regular people. And the amazing thing is the vast majority of them are baptized in the Holy Spirit from all over the nation of the world. They pray in tongues. They know this scripture intimately. They're all very familiar with it. And they can all preach and teach, men and women, young and old, everybody. It's exactly, so the gathering is 1 Corinthians 14. People will have a word of knowledge for someone who's speaking, uh, but it's mainly devoted to intercessory prayer right now. You know, uh, though, that this is happening all over the United States. There's many, many national prayer calls and meetings. In fact, a friend of mine has seen 10,000 campfires in the spirit in the United States, 10,000 prayer meetings like this going on. David Wilkerson, who started Times Square Church, saw, uh, you know, 10,000 fires in the United States years ago. And we all kind of took that as a negative, as judgment. And then when all this rioting started, there they were, all these fires. But whatever, whenever the trial comes in, God's grace comes in the greater. And so he's able to cause all things to turn together for good to those who love him. And so while there has been a lot of distress and disruption, 
He's raising up the fire of his church in new ways. And there's an intercessory prayer revival. And there is a prophetic revival that's sweeping our land and the whole world. Pastor Rick has had on his heart for months now to preach the prophetic. And the reason is, since he is prophetic, is that's what's coming upon the church. And the days are coming, the days are now, are now when we take that up for our nation. Uh, and uh, you, you need, we need to get into the place where we're praying for what we know God wants, not hoping, uh, but praying this is what he's doing because this is a sovereign work of the Lord. So look with me at Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, interesting that he decided to use his pre-salvation name Simon instead of Peter. The name Simon means listen or to hear. And so uh, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. I want you to think of Simon Peter here for a minute as the church in America right now. Listen, guys, and I include myself in this. We've been listening to good teaching and going to conferences and reading books and listening to tapes for decades, many of us. And the Lord's saying the days of listening are over. Now, that's not that, yes, I'm supposed to continue to listen to good teaching. Yes, I'm supposed to be in my word. Don't misunderstand in the Lord's word. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But these are days, the church is prepared. You are equipped. It's now time for the church to move. But Satan has demanded to, permission to sift you like wheat. The church in America and all over the world, but particularly in America, is being sifted right now. And uh, wheat is being separated from chaff. And it's really quite remarkable because there's some famous Christians, famous preachers that have been rendered silent. And I know some people are grieving about the seeming lack of leadership right now in the Christian church. There's a few people popping up. But consider Even with the quote-unquote lack of leadership, like a million Christians showed up in Washington, D.C. recently. And the reason is it's not leaderless. Christ is the head, and he's speaking to individual hearts all over the U.S. and the world right now in a way we've never seen before. There's revelation being poured out all over the place, and people are hearing and moving in concert, even though there's not a lot of visible leaders. The other thing that's going on is he is removing lampstands. As he said he would do, go back and read Revelation 2 and 3 and ask the Lord if any of that is happening now. I, I believe he will confirm in your heart that it is happening now. Revelation 2 and 3. Uh, lampstands are being removed. We've had a misperception of the role of the pastor in this nation. We have 10,000 popes. I, I say this respectfully uh, and with love, but I, I don't need someone else. Uh, standing between me and the Lord. I can get up every morning, get my Bible out, and hear from the Lord myself. I, I don't need an intermediary. The intermediary is Christ. And that's what ministers are supposed to be doing, is to uh, empower, to teach, so that you can orient yourself to the living God. And then the Holy Spirit can direct our activity. And yes, he uses leaders uh, like Pastor Rick in gatherings and direct our action. But right now, the Lord is taking the uh, front and center spot. The face mask has been removed. He's the head, no one else. And it's not a pastor-led, uh, pastor-led awakening and revival that we're experiencing. It's a 
prayer meeting awakening intercessory prayer led by a company of Elishas under the anointing of Elijah, uh, just like Joel said it would be. So Simon, Simon, listener, listener, behold, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. Glory to God. Jesus has prayed for his church that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus always lives to make intercession for his church. He's interceding for you and me that we would have this victory in these challenging days and that our faith not fail and that we would be able to strengthen others, our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is God's will. It's by faith. It's not by works. Uh, faith. Well, read, read uh, Hebrews 11, the great uh, catalog of the heroes of the faith. Faith is an act. You believe what God says and you move out on it. Let me give you a great healing verse for your body. It's Exodus 23:25. You shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread and your water and I will remove sickness from your midst. There's nothing like serving the Lord and being walking in his spirit and his purposes and calling to bring strength and vitality to your body. Do I know an example of this? We have Rick Bonfim. For example, who's a guy in his mid-70s is still full of a ton of energy and calling. It's not that he does. I'm sure he has some mornings he wakes up just like all the rest of us, you know. But he gets up and says, this is a good day, and I'm getting moving, Lord, and you've got good things for, the me, for me to do, and you're cloaking my body with strength and youthfulness and vitality. And there's nothing like having that common purpose. I've, I've rarely felt such uh, vitality. And purpose as I have in these days as I've joined with the body of Christ in this great prayer battle. And so Jesus is praying for us that our faith not fail. As faith is a decision. I'm going to live the life of God. This is the only life we've got. We've got one life to live. And so let us pray like we never have before with fervency and with fire. Believing that he's doing something here. We know what God's will is. God is not a murderer of babies. He's ordained marriage between a man and a woman. There's no question mark about this, nor am I being judgmental of other people about this. We cry out for everyone to come under the mercy of the Lord. Before I was saved, I was a very immoral person. I've shared many times I was a drunkard. Uh, I've committed a host of sins, just like everyone else. But it wouldn't do me any good for people to tell me it's okay, God loves everyone. He says very clearly judgment's coming and that we need to come under his mercy and repent and start walking with him. We prove that we're his disciples when we practice his truth. Somebody say amen. And we're not perfect, but he wants us to walk with him. But Peter said to him, Lord, with you, I'm ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today, verse 34, until you have denied three times that you know me. I think we all can confess when the coronavirus came and then the George Floyd crisis and the rioting, we discovered that we weren't as strong as we thought we were. Those of us who thought we were really fervent for the Lord we realize, well, there's a lot of other things we should have been doing. For example, in the last election, the church should have been having an all-night prayer vigil. We probably should have been doing that 
for weeks leading up to it. I wasn't. And I don't know any Christians that were really, you know, and uh, there are things that happen in the middle of the night, almost certainly statistics. We're not idiots. Uh, statistics would suggest it. Uh, I mean, part of the reason, folks, again, I used to be a former federal prosecutor. The reason here just this year, the laws in Georgia were illegally, I would submit to you, liberalized by the secretary of state to amount, allow mail-in ballots without voter identification and so on. <laughs> Is so you can cheat. I mean, it, we're not stupid. Let's just put that aside. Uh, why would you not want valid voter IDs? Also, you can just put in a ton of paper to get your will. And so, as I said, I'd never donated to a presidential campaign until three days after this election where the conviction came on my heart. This election's been stolen. I'm not standing for that. I'm not standing for that. I'm going to do everything in my power. You know, that's the conviction that came on Dietrich Bonhoeffer's heart. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a very liberal guy. He was a loving guy. He ministered in the States. He loved people. But then he got the revelation, Hitler's evil. He's destroying people. He's crushing lives. This has to be stopped. Folks, we'll never have another free election if we stand for this. You you need to realize that. If you want freedom, you're going to have to stand, and everyone needs to come to their battle stations right now. When you're on the Titanic and you're heading for the iceberg, it doesn't do any good to do some sermon series on whatever. The problem is the iceberg right in front of you. On D-Day, it would do no good to be praying about Aunt Mary's hangnail. The whole free world was hinging on D-Day. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we need to be to our battle stations in prayer. These are perilous days, but God has been speaking to his church, and we have every reason to believe he has a great victory in store. I don't know exactly how it works out. I don't put God in a box. All I know is he wants me believing for his victory here in the name of Jesus. It's the same with healing. If you have symptoms in your body, but he's the healer. And so, Lord, I'm going to complete my race. Grant me vitality and strength and health today. Devil, you have no right to my body. My temp- body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit, Romans 8, 11, that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in me and gives life to my mortal body. Psalm 103 says, my youth renewed as the eagle. Blessed be God. And so I get up and move. And so Pastor Rick, 75 or 6, and has the energy of a guy that's like 30. And my friend Dwight Keith is 85 years old, and he's still out there kicking it. Uh, and he has the energy of a guy that's 40, okay? Caleb and Joshua. So it applies to every aspect of our life. As we know, Peter ended up denying the Lord, but he restored him. Look at verse 35. This is important. And he said to them, when I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? They said, no, nothing. And he said to them, but now whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. Whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. You know, in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, even the 2010s, uh, it was an easy time. And many were say easy time for ministry. Um, and it's okay. We all watched movies and all this kind of stuff. And we weren't super fervent because there wasn't a huge crisis. And we weren't too concerned about who was giving us money. And uh, all that. And the Lord's saying, that's not the days we're living in anymore. Um, you need to take your source of supply with you. 
You can't trust everyone who wants to give you money. You can't trust the support out there in the field. These are evil days. Uh, and so you need to take provision with you. And it's not a day of comfort. I had a dream on October 30th that I was with Rick and the team back in Cuba. And it was very oppressive, way more oppressive than it normally is there. And on the last day, oddly, I decided to take a long walk alone, which I would never, never really do. It was an easy walk, friends. Easy, easy walk in this dream. I got down to a plaza, beautiful plaza with a fountain. And there was one Cuban military guy acting like he wasn't watching me, but he was. And I realized I need to get out of here. The flight's leaving. I need to get back to the, you know, the hotel where we were. Suddenly the walk back was totally uphill, like way uphill, San Francisco uphill. It had been, it's been so easy for the church and the nation over the last 50 years to walk to where we are right now. And it's now a challenge to walk it back uphill. It's a battle. When I got close to being back to Pastor Rick's uh, compound or hotel in this dream in Cuba, there was a wall suddenly, and I started climbing the wall, and it was exhausting. And there was a lady next to me with all this baggage, and I helped her over the wall. She's a lady from our trip, no one I actually know, but in the dream. And later the Lord told me, uh, the lady is Georgia. Georgia is a lady's name, and prayers are lifting Georgia up. The lady is Lady Liberty. Uh, the gospel, Christ's gospel is a gospel of liberty. It's for freedom that he set us free. Don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Uh, and the devil's trying to put a yoke of slavery on the church and on this nation. We need to resist that. Christ is a God of liberty and he has a creative calling for each person, but it can't be exercised freely under a totalitarian re- regime. I have a friend that likes to post a Bible verse on Facebook every day, and they've been uh, shutting him down, saying his Bible verses are inappropriate content. Friends, let's not conceive, deceive ourselves. These are perilous days. Could you imagine being on your phone and the phone company saying, John Dunn, David Nutter, we're turning the phone off because we don't like your conversation because you're talking about Jesus. It's the same thing. They can only use the Internet ways at it from permission from the U.S. government, and uh, the law needs to be changed to stop, stop that kind of uh, censorship is horrible, but that is what's going on. These are days to sell your coat, to sell your comfort and buy a sword. And does that mean we're supposed to get a physical sword or, you know, a gun? Well, you're certainly entitled to defend your home, to defend yourself, but there's a spiritual truth here. And we're to sell our comfort and get the sword of the spirit. This is a move, a call for intercession to not only pray and ask God, but to speak out the Lord's will. Mark 11, 23, and 24 are the action words of this time. Whosoever shall say, have faith in God, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou taken up and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believes the things he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. We are to be asking for God's will and speaking God's will. But we know God's will as it relates to the murdering of babies and to gay marriage and homosexuality. We are to be kind and tender to other sinners. But there's no question where God stands on the truth. Jesus got crucified for homosexuality and lying and my drunkenness. And he asked us, come follow me. Uh, 
uh, you know, take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and come follow me. That is Christianity. And we won't do it perfectly, but as we start stepping into it, you discover he's doing a sovereign work in all of us that's changing us dramatically, but you must move willingly in his direction. So take up that sword. Look what he says, for I tell you, verse 37, that which is written must be fulfilled in me, and he was numbered with transgressors, for that which refers to me has its fulfillment. That's Jesus saying, Isaiah 53 is fulfilled in me. He quotes it and says it's fulfilled in me. Then the last verse has great purpose here in these days. Verse 38, they said, Lord, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Now, poor Peter, is bold. He thought, I got it. I got it. I got swords. And just a little while later, Jesus is arrested in the garden. And Peter takes out his sword and cuts off the slave of the high priest's ear. And Jesus says, no, that's not what, <laughs> that's not what I meant. Man, I can understand what Peter's like, Lord, he just said two swords. Come on. And he healed the man's ear. The two swords are, uh, there's two sides of the truth. Okay, and so God is a God of judgment, and he's a God of mercy and grace, and they have to go together, and at the cross, his mercy triumphs over his judgment, and he's actually give, given us a two-edged sword, and so listen, I, I've i uh, heard this a number of times, but in Romans 13, we're to obey the governing of authorities, and so there's no place for looting and burning and rebellion. Further, Jesus said, we're to be foot washers. If you come into his kingdom, you give up your own racial identity. You don't, you stop asking, what can the president or the government do for me? And instead you say, Lord, what can I do for you? How do you want to be, how do you want to use me today? And you go out and start washing feet. And so I'm friends, I'm telling you, we've been too uh, gentle and the devil has snuck up on us and, and he takes advantage of the Lord's grace. But we need to start telling people the truth. The gospel is not, uh, you know, some wealth transfer thing. It's a voluntary giving from the heart. You know, should who can know what to do with Truett Cathy's money better? Truett Cathy or the government? If you actually know the stuff that man did in his life, you'd say, wow, Truett Cathy all day long uh, in the kingdom of God. we got to have some taxes here. I understand that. But so don't be deceived about that. And many, many people are getting this revelation and are realizing I've been in bondage to a lie. I'm coming out of the bondage. Jesus came to set the captives free. And I've been in bondage in my life. And as I come free of it, you're thinking, how did I miss it? I remember it was so hard for me to get a hold of the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things we all have to do is bind the religious spirit in our lives that is Thanks, we've got it all figured out. We're trying to control God and control the Holy Spirit. And it's all about theological doctrine. If you're having trouble praying in tongues, I encourage you to say, Lord, I, I don't want a religious spirit anymore. I bind that religious spirit and I cast that out of my life. And I want to receive everything you have for me that I can fulfill my calling. Amen. And God will answer it. Real quickly, as I close, I'm not going to read it. We don't have time. But look at First uh, Kings 17 and 18. This is very, very familiar scripture um, about Elijah. And Elijah got the revelation that he was to declare that there would be no rain except by his word. That wasn't Elijah being prideful. That was God speaking through him. 
And there is a difference. And we do need to be uh, a little bit careful as we move into the prophetic, not to be feeding the flesh and all that. But when we are pursuing God's purposes, there's a unity of word and purpose that comes up. Does God want revival in the USA? Yes. Does he want awakening? Yes. We can speak that. Lord, I want it too. I'm just speaking forth awakening and revival. I'm releasing a spirit of love in my house and family today. We're forgivers at all times. Does God want that? Yes. Does he want me to say it? Of course he does. So Elijah said there'd be no rain, and there wasn't, and it got very severe. But Elijah was provided for. He'll provide for you and me, too. We don't need to worry about it. Stay in the flow of what he tells you to do with his with his money that he's brought into your life, and we will never lack. Amen. And so then he called the priest of Baal to Mount Carmel, the prophets and priests of Baal. Now realize one way to look at that in these days, we have a mainstream media that are declaring lies. That's not me being political again at all. It's just true. And it's promoting um, things that are against the kingdom of God, encouraging women to have abortions, telling them they have a right to do it. The problem is when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to discover not with God, we didn't have a right, maybe with politicians and other people, but not with God. And it's a deception. Uh, I myself, years and years and years ago, used to be pro-choice until my wife had a tubal pregnancy and God pierced my heart. And I had the revelation that this was a person I would not know in this life. And Susan and I mourn for that little baby that we would not know in this life. John the Baptist mm-hmm. leaped in his mother's womb, friends. Uh, God wants us to stop killing babies, to quit worshiping Baal. And so he uh, called uh, the priest of Baal, and then you know the story, and uh, prepared two sacrifices. Elijah dumped water, had them dump water on his because it's going to be God's victory. And that's the case here in this election. Uh, this is difficult to prove what has happened, uh, even though if you're honest with yourself, you know it. But this is God's battle. So he's doing something that only God can do. I believe that the ambush of AI is at work here. We will see what God ends up doing. At verse 36 of chapter 18, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. That's our prophetic calling. That's what we all want in our life. Lord, let it be known that you are God and that by our actions, it will be demonstrated, Lord, that we are your servants. That's our prayer. That's what we want. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Listen, this wasn't just him saying, I hope it happens. He's set this thing out. He's caused these priests of Baal. If nothing happens, Elijah probably is going to get torn limb from limb. So he's out there by faith saying, Lord, I've acted in faith. Now you've got to do it. You know, if you look at Acts 12, 12, James in Acts chapter 12, the uh, James, one of the apostles, had been killed uh, by the sword, James' brother John. And then uh, Herod saw that it made the people so happy that he arrested Peter and was going to do the same to him. It says in 12.12, the people were gathered and were praying fervently about this. I think it was kind of the same thing 
that has happened in the church in the world in the USA. They'd received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All sorts of cool things were happening. People were getting healed. We're having people come to the Lord. And it's just awesome. And then, wow, James gets executed. And maybe when he's in prison, they weren't praying as much as they should have in unified prayer. And uh, then Peter gets arrested. And the Reva is from the Lord. Comes on, we all have got to be in prayer here about this. It just so happened that Peter and Barnabas were in town at this time. I believe they were at that prayer meeting praying fervently. Lord God, Peter's got to get out of prison here. And I believe God is letting Peter out of prison because we have been shackled uh, in denominations with, we you know, one in particular. If Peter doesn't say it, we, we can't believe it. It's just not the gospel that Joel prophesied, that's prophesied in the book of Acts. Of what we're seeing happening in these worldwide prayer meetings, that's the gospel. It's 1 Corinthians 14. One person has a psalm. Another person has a teaching. Then two or three prophets will speak. Someone has a tongue. Someone has an interpretation. Uh, the body is not one member. It's many members. And that doesn't mean, you know, that I just get a glass of water for the preacher. Uh, that's fine. But it's like, no, we can all get words of wisdom, words of knowledge, gifts of healing, and get out there and minister out into the world. The fivefold ministry of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is coming back to the fore. And so uh, then the five, verse 38, then the fire of the Lord turned, uh, fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. God showed up as he had many, many, many times, and I believe we've never seen the church praying the true church with such unity and fervency. God is going to move, maybe in ways we don't expect. It may not work out exactly like we would all hope, but God's going to do something here. And what the Lord was showing me in my dream, when I got to the top of the wall, I did lift the lady up in the dream. At the top of the wall, it wasn't the top of the wall. It was a whole new level. We were at a green plane, and I knew I was going to make my flight with the rest of the Rick Bonfim team. I wasn't going to be left in Cuba under that communist socialist spirit that's trying to infect our land and uh i I was exhausted though and i will tell you uh praying with other saints for four hours every night is draining man and i hope you're uh fasting on a regular basis right now and um uh i just lay down on my face when i got up to top of this wall in the green plane in this dream my little dog in real life is named easter and easter came and began licking my face and i understood that to being that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is pouring out on his church in a new way. And the Lord told me, the lady you're lifting up, uh, during the election I was praying, and the Lord said to me, George is a woman's name, and reminded me of this dream from October 30th that I interceded fervently for Georgia because I could see something was happening that was strange in the middle of the night. I could see that and in these other states. In uh, Lady Liberty, but... The lady, the third interpretation of the lady is, is the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ in the United States and the world has a lot of baggage, uh, but God is raising her up to a new level, and there's a green plane, and the power of the living Christ is coming on the whole church in a new and living way. This is the fulfillment of Rick Bontham's ministry to all of us, John Dunn and me and a multitude of others. This has been Rick's whole life purpose. And our prayer for Pastor Rick is that he would get to see the fullness of these days. He's devoted his whole life 
ministry life to seeing what is now happening in these days. And Lord, I pray for Pastor Rick that he'd see the fullness of the completion of it uh, while he's still in this body. And when the people saw verse uh, 39, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And so I believe something is going to happen here that all the redeemed of the Lord are going to see something happen in our land and around the world and know God's God. This isn't politics. This isn't about being a Democrat or Republican. This is about God being God. And then Elijah said, seize the prophets of Baal. And Baal, he slaughtered them. And he prayed forth the coming of the latter rain, a great outpouring of rain, which is awakening and revival. Friends, I believe that that is coming. Uh, that is what we are praying for. We're not really praying for an election. We are praying for God's truth to prevail and for his kingdom to come in revival, awakening power in the U.S. around the world, that the latter rain ministry that uh, Rick has been calling forth for 50 years would come in the fullness in these days and that the priests and prophets of Baal would be silenced. I'm not praying for anyone's death under the new covenant, but I am praying that they would be unplugged and their message of falsehood would fail and fall to the ground. There'd be confusion in their midst and there'd be a great rising up of God's truth as we see the latter rain poured out. Let's pray. Father, it is amazing that we are alive in these days and that we all get to be a part of what you're doing. We thank you, God, for Pastor Rick and his faithfulness and his calling. He was grinding this out 30, 40, 50 years ago when virtually no one was open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And now we're seeing prayer calls all over the nation and the world where many, many, many people have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. We thank you for Pastor Rick's faithfulness. We ask you to bless his life, that he finish his race, that he see the fullness of the latter rain. And, Lord, we thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing, Lord. Thank you for interceding for us. Direct our prayers. Lord, thank you for calling us into your body. Show us the place you want us to plug in during these days of crisis, Lord. And we pray for your mercy and grace to prevail. Jesus Christ is Lord of the United States of America. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He gives the joy of his salvation. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me. As I watch 